Hi, I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. Join me every Wednesday for open, honest, and real conversations about change, transformation, and resilience to inspire and empower you. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find verified wellness professionals and holistic health resources at HealingWays. That's HealingWaze.com. Happiness is the driver to what's going to get you to your goals. That's just one of the many words of wisdom uttered from my guest Penny Hill in this episode. Penny is a helper and a healer to her core and has been on this path most of her life. Through her own life challenges, including a health challenge that changed her life, she's learned a lot of different ways to true health and happiness, and she loves to share those ways with other people. For me, this conversation couldn't have come at a better time as I personally am dealing with some pretty big health challenges of my own. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll know what I'm talking about. Penny hits us with some straight up facts about pain and suffering. And like she says, suffering is not required. You're sure to be smiling while you listen today. I was. And at the end of this episode, you'll understand why smiling is so important to your health and well-being. Are you ready to make happiness a habit? Stick around all the way to the end to hear Penny's philosophy. It's a good one. So good, in fact, that I'll be posting it on my Instagram account at the Dragonfly Mama in case you want to share it with your people. And speaking of sharing, help me spread the inspiration by sharing this podcast with your friends. It's easy to share. Just text them the link or post it on social media. It's all about connection. Thank you so much for your support. Take care and enjoy my chat with Penny Hill. Penny, thank you for being here today with me. Thank you, Amber. Yeah. And like I was saying before, just thank you for being you because Uh you have a knack for even just, I mean, I'm the host and you're making me feel more comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. That's one of my goals in life, you know, is reducing stress. So if I can just show up and do that, yay. Right. Yeah. And that you exude that energy. So that's awesome. And I just, I want to warm things up a little bit, let my listeners get to know a little bit more about you. And I'm going to ask you some questions that I don't know about you. Um, so we're going to start a little fluffy. Uh, okay. where, did, where did you grow up? I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. So that is a surprise to me. And I don't know why. I don't know anything about Detroit, but I just don't. I just feel like you have lived here forever <laughs> in Portland area. It's it's nearing forever. I came yeah. here in 88. Yeah, okay. So, I'm nearing forever. In. Uh-huh. You're an Oregonian. <laughs> <laughs> and um in your questionnaire you said that you're a fan of science fiction and fantasy novels. So, I am. What's what are some of your favorites? Or just one of your favorites? Oh, good heavens. There's a series of books by, I think it's Ted Williams called Otherland. Okay. Um, but Stephen R. Donaldson and Jim Butcher, the, the uh, Dresden Files and the Codex Alera. I have heard of the, that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Amazing stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's science-y science fiction. Uh-huh. And I don't particularly care for that. Um, yeah. So it's more really the fantasy side, okay. sword and sorcery and wizards. And the the Dresden Files are set in present day Chicago. So, oh. you know, so urban fantasy is something that at least the way he does it, I like. Okay. So this, kind of, this is a real silly question, um, but, you know, it's always interesting. What did you have for breakfast today? What I have most days. Okay. Which is oatmeal with nuts and raisins and probably some coconuts. And there's always some protein powder and flaxseed. Do you make the oatmeal from scratch? Like oats in the pot? And... Yeah. Oh, okay. Hey. I, I, oats are so easy. I don't know how anyone can shortcut it. <laughs> I guess you open a packet and boil pour boiling water on it but it is actually a little bit easier I mean I tell people that I make oatmeal from scratch too and they like look at me like I'm Amish or something (laughs) 
Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> no, you, you can actually just put it in a jar with some water and set it in the refrigerator overnight. I mean, it's really... Yeah. Do you do that? Do you, you know, do it that way? Actually, what I do is I make, like, a big pot, and then mm-hmm. I just, you know, like, once, you know, and then I eat from that, you know, for the week. Nice. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I've never done that. But All right. See, you're already dropping dro- dropping tips right from the get-go. We haven't gotten into the big, the big juicy stuff. Um, Life made simpler. That's all, exactly. Um, so, okay. So now that we've touched on the fluffy stuff, yep. um, I want to talk about the deeper stuff because that's this podcast is not all serious stuff, but it's, you know, talking about things that we all go through and the things we triumph over and you mentioned, and this was a surprise to me, I had no idea, that you went through a life-changing illness that struck you in your 30s. So tell me more about that. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I came to Portland, I, I came and um, I was actually going to, I was looking into sign language interpreting. And I went to a, to just to tell you something else you don't know uh-huh. about. Uh-huh. Um, and I went to a little presentation down at the school, and that was all I needed to understand that that was not my life direction. And I sort of remembered, it was like, oh, yeah, I was going to be a massage therapist. So I had started that like years before in San Francisco, okay. but there, there were no laws about yeah. massage in California, except that you had to be registered with the vice squad. And I was like, oh, <laughs> We're not doing that. So that kind of just got in the rearview mirror. Lots of life happened. And then I was back in Portland. And lo and behold, there is like a school for everything health-wise, alternative health-wise in Portland. And so I went to school. And then I started doing massage at Saturday Market. And then I thought, well, I've got lots of extra time. I should be doing something else that I can sell down there. So I was making a flaxseed and buckwheat hull pillows and I just started going faster and faster and I couldn't stop and my my thoughts got really manic and I just went that way for like a while until I literally just hit a wall and collapsed and then it took me about a year and a half to get properly diagnosed Mm. all the time I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker uh I finally found the right doctor who looked at me walking into the room and said, I, I know what's going on, but we'll do the blood tests just to be sure. So it, it was Graves' disease. So mm. if you think of the gas pedal stuck, you know, in the floored position in your body. So I was really, really, really sick. Yeah. And, um, so I spent about a year not being able to do anything except just lay on the couch walking up a flight of stairs was exhausting and windy. And so he was a really interesting doctor. He had actually taught Western medicine in Japan. And while he was over there, he learned all sorts of stuff about thyroids from Mm -hmm. the Japanese who, of course, because of the atomic bombs, have a lot of thyroid disease. So he learned their protocols and brought them over here. And so as sick as I was, I walked into his office and he said, well, we'll just irradiate your thyroid and then we'll give you Synthroid and you'll be okay. And I looked at him and I was like, is there a plan B? (laughs) Because everyone I had ever seen who had had their thyroid irradiated, who had gone through, looked like hell. You know, they did not look like healthy people. And he was like, well, yes, there is. So he used this Japanese protocol. So I'm in remission or cured, depending at this point. I think cured is is the correct word. That is Um, so cool. It's been since uh, we moved into our house in 99. So that was about when I was coming off of those protocols. But... What happened during all of that, I mean, that was like four years on his protocol and a year and a half. So it was like five and a half, six years of being really sick and not Mm -hmm. being able to work or working very little. Um, But during all of that, one of the symptoms of Graves' disease is anxiety. And so that, everything else sort of normalized, but I never got over the anxiety and the panic attacks. And that has been something that I'm still dealing with. Mm -hmm. So so that's the thing about anxiety. 
everyone looks okay. You don't know that people are anxious, but yet, you know, your aunt Mabel will never leave the house, you know, but that's, you know, and everyone, oh, that's just her, you know. So there's a lot of things that people do, you know, that don't look like, like one time I was standing in a line. And so I think I also like would qualify for agoraphobia. Mm. I was just reading this the other day because it's like standing in line, you're, you've made a social commitment, right? <laughs> you have entered a line, you're going to stay there, you are going to transact something when you get to the counter, and then you're going to go, right? So this is a thing that people with agoraphobia have a really hard time with. And I didn't understand this until just the other day. And I was like the next person in line, and I was like, I just can't do this. And I, and I, I was like, I have to go. And the woman behind me looked at me, and she went, Really? <laughs> I went, yes, really. And, and I just had to come back and do it another time. Uh huh. So, yeah, you know, between the years of actually dealing with the Graves disease and then the aftermath of that, mm-hmm. which I'm still dealing with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's when changed a lot. So that was that was in your 30s. And, you know, you're like only 35 now. So you're still right, there right. now. <laughs> No, but about how long ago was that that you got that diagnosis? Well, I just turned 63, so... Really? Yes. I had no idea that you were already in your 60s. Uh, okay. Me either. <laughs> well, that's where all the wisdom has, comes from, for sure. Um, it's been lots of distillation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so it's been 25, 30 years? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, for people listening, because I, I know what Graves' disease is because one of my best friends actually has it. Mm. Um, but And I didn't actually know, I don't think I knew about the anxiety piece of it. But beyond, besides the anxiety piece, can you tell my listeners a little, like a very shortened version of what Graves' disease is? Well, it's, it's, it's a hyperthyroid. So it's mm-hmm. like your system is on overdrive all the time. Yeah. When I first was getting sick, like my resting pulse was 110. Wow. So, you know, um, I was short of breath. I couldn't sleep. I, this, is, this was the thing that was the very hardest. I felt every single heartbeat for a year and a half. It drove me crazy. Uh, I was going to say that in itself is anxiety provoking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'd have like two seconds in the morning when I, when I would wake up and, and, became, and then became conscious. There's like two seconds. <laughs> so it's interesting. I've, I've always wondered about that because it clearly wasn't happening when I was asleep. Mm-hmm. So how much of my consciousness was driving this? Anyway, with all illnesses, there's, you know, emotional drivers. Yeah. So, and I had had a lot of stress in my 20s and then getting going through the and not knowing what was going on, of course, was very scary. And people mm-hmm. looking at me and sending like I went off to a cardiologist and uh, he did stuff with me. And like for six months, I was getting sicker and sicker. And at six months, this one thing that he was looking at was was better. My resting pulse had gone from 110 to 90. So he was happy. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you're getting better. And I was like, I am not. 90 is still pretty no, high. this is not, <laughs> it might be better, but it's not better. Yeah, that's not you wellness. Know. So, yeah. yeah, so it's like everything in your body is just ramped up all the time, short of breath and no energy. And people go, oh, but, you, but you'd have all this energy, so you should have been able to do a lot. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. You know, all of the energy that I had, it, it took just to lay on the couch every day. So, and and it affects different people in different ways. I had literally every symptom you could have. So I don't know why it took so long to get diagnosed. Other people, you know, it's like they've got one or two symptoms, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's easily. But I think the load of stress that I had been under without really realizing it from my 20s, I think that's what drove, you know, most Mm -hmm. of what made me so sick. Yeah. Is Graves' disease an autoimmune? It's an autoimmune yeah. disorder. 
Stress is a great way to trigger those autoimmunities. It is, you know, and the protocol that he used out of Japan was very interesting is he basically gave me a a drug that sort of suspended my own thyroid activity. And then we added this other drug and I forget what it does or did. Oh, we added in the the synthroid. Mm -hmm. And he said what happens is it gives whatever is perturbing your system time to work its way out. Because mm. there was a time when I was okay. So like I had a massive allergic reaction and we were just suspending my own thyroid uh, function until that could work its way out of my body. And and it worked. That's cool. So, that, yeah. do, you, do you remember that doctor's name? He is long since retired. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I hope he passed his knowledge down to somebody else. I hope so because, yeah. I, you know, literally I got up one morning, I went upstairs to go to the bathroom. I came downstairs, fed the cats and decided that I had two options that day. I was either going to find a doctor who was going to take care of me or I was going to go insane. It was just really clear. I was done. And so I just went through the yellow pages until I found someone who, and I got his nurse and she said, Mm -hmm. let me go find him. And she did. And she said, you come in this afternoon. And um, it wasn't his day to be in the office. So, it, it was just grace. He Divine was fine intervention. Like, it really was. It really was all the way around to find that one doctor who is probably the only doctor in Portland who yeah. knows this protocol and could do that for me. Oh my God. Oh, you got so lucky. He helped a lot, but I know that you're into, uh, you know, holistic medicine, massage, tapping, just to name a couple, yeah. what were some of the other things that you did to he- not only heal your physical body, but to heal your mind? You know, when I was that sick, I really wasn't doing much th- that I recall. Yeah. You know, other than just kind of trying to survive. After I was out of his care, mm-hmm. I realized that I was still getting sicker. I was not thriving. I was not normal yet you know Mm -hmm. the thyroid stuff was okay but I was still what I really feel like was there's a the opposite of thriving (laughs) you know it's like circling the drain might Mm -hmm. be the appropriate Mm. image um so I again found an amazing doctor um whose name is Dr. Um, Patterson Kellum okay and who happened to be within reach of me you know just a half a mile from my house. Oh, nice. I made it easy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was still very, very difficult for me. I mean, I was so anxious at one point that I couldn't, like, take a piece of mail that had been misdelivered to the house next door. I couldn't go from my front door around the house and go in my back door. I mean, I was really crippled. So mm-hmm. um, getting out to a doctor was like, whoa, <laughs> really hard. Yeah. So, um, but he, oh my God, he is amazing. He, he's also an older man now. Um, but he was, he started off as an LMT and then he became a naturopath and an acupuncturist. He, he actually is an MD and, and he's an anthroposophic doctor. I'm never sure if I'm saying that right. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> We'll just go with that. <laughs> I think that's a thing. Um, it, yeah, I, could, I can't even explain it. All of that, like color therapy, and mm-hmm. he, he put me on these, like, remedies. They're not, they're like, even beyond homeopathics, there's a name for them. What you do is you take one drop and you dilute it in a gallon of water, and then you take, like, three drops of that, you know, and that was too strong for me, so... <laughs> It was just, it was really hard. So, like, I worked with him for, like, six years. And his wife does cranial sacral, so I had some sessions with her. And they are two of the most amazing people. Healthbridge is their name of their um, studio here in Portland. Okay. Um, So, yeah, so he got me to where I am. And somewhere in all of there... Um, I discovered tapping, mm-hmm. and then that truly accelerated my healing because once I started dealing with a lot of the 
the stuff that I was carrying around in my body and getting rid of that. And things really, really, really started to accelerate. So, I mean, at this point, it would be really hard to even describe or or enumerate all the different things, you know, that I've done, but Mm -hmm. um, tapping and um, I studied with Dr. Sue Mortar for a couple of years. She teaches a system called the Energy Codes Mm -hmm. and that's awesome stuff. It was odd because like the stuff that came up seemed so very foreign to me, Mm -hmm. but yet it, it produced a real profound change. Uh, So it's like, okay, you know, know, like I've only just recently discovered Reverend Michael Beckwith and whom people adore. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I've got to get back to that, you know, Ho'oponopono. Yes. Yeah. And then just last year took on HeartMath, which I had been wanting to get involved with for a long time. Uh, So I'm now a certified HeartMath practitioner. Nice. And uh, yeah, so lots of stuff. And I think, you you know, you said in there that it it had a profound effect on your healing. And I think from what you've told me and from what I know about you already, you're open when you learn about something that can be helpful to you in your healing process, which, like you said, you're still in the healing process with the anxiety. I mean, it's a lifelong process. I think we're always on it, right? Especially when it comes to within like our mental health. So I think it's because you're just really open to receiving that is one of the reasons why you get so much benefit from it too. I think this, by you saying that, I really appreciate it because um, I just want to say, yeah, public service announcement right now, like just be open to, to yeah. these, all these different things that are available to us to help us on our paths in life, to make things easier. Maybe it won't work for you, but if you're open, it might. And it might be profound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's like I have like a huge intolerance for not being well. Yes, <laughs> I love it. A huge intolerance for not being well. I think we all need that intolerance. And I'm so astounded continually by people who, and, and, I, and I only know that they're not picking up the things that I'm offering. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's self-serving. But I, my always wondering is like, You've been suffering with it. You've just told me that you have been suffering with this for some time now. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to just give it a go and see what it might do for you? Right. So Why not? Yeah. people are attached to their suffering. Mm, yes. That's another whole other episode. That's a whole other true. And yeah. it's, it's part of their identity. And we form a lot of our identity and how we respond to things, what we think we're capable of or allowed to have mm-hmm. when we're younger than seven. And so by the time we're 10, we think, well, this is just how I am. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's who you've become. And I firmly believe that what we've become is our journey, what we've chosen to use as a teaching tool so i'm not a victim of my life yeah although that does come after some years of (laughs) learning Mm -hmm. but um but that the suffering and the learning doesn't have to take a lifetime either yeah yes yes And, and that's where dr sue says something you know it's hard until it's not yeah, you know, and I think one of those turning points is deciding that you're in charge. That stuff happened, and it was hard. But that's that's a turning point. Is like when you decide that you can move forward, and that what happened before doesn't define who you are. Only what happened to you, mm-hmm. and and it sets you on a path of learning. Yes. Um, recently. What I've been doing a lot of is reclaiming my history. Because one of the things that your brain does is it ruminates on negativity because that's how we were safe. That's evolutionary adaptation to danger that we didn't have control over. It's like, so the last time I walked by this rock, a big tiger jumped out at me. So every time I walk by that rock, I'm going to be a little extra vigilant and you know, maybe take a wide swath around that 
rock, you know. Mm-hmm. So we identify things by, you know, shapes and sounds and colors and sensations, and that's how our brain codes things. So if, you know, like when we were little, you know, someone in a red shirt, you know, jumped out behind a door and went booga, booga, booga and scared the living daylights out of us. We may not like people with glasses or we might associate that fear with a smell we were having at the time or something that we saw um, or, or a color red, the red shirt he was wearing. Mm-hmm. We don't know. This is all like before we're forming conscious memories. So we just have these likes and preferences and dislikes and we just go along with that. And unless they are causing us problems they aren't a problem but if you can't drive over a bridge you know because you had a fender bender on that bridge once well that's a problem you know and today's problems are usually built on things that happened when we were kids perfectly said thank you for that yeah you know these things happen to you and then you make a decision to start your healing journey or, you know, whether that's like a super conscious decision, it's not always, but you, you, at some point you make a decision to kind of change things. And that's what you did. Then not only did you work on yourself, you turned your healing journey into something to help other people. So I always like to ask those of us that choose the path of helper healer, what made you decide to take your, what you are dealing with, what you learned and still continue to learn. And now you're using that to help other people. Why have you chosen that route in life? You know, I don't, I'm not sure it was a, I, you know, as a kid, I did massage for my mom. My mom had very bad arthritis. And so she had multiple hand surgeries. Mm. And so I just showed the PT one day what I was doing. And she was like, oh, you know what you're doing. You can do it. So that kept, you know, that let me, you know, work on my mom and she didn't have to, you know, or go anywhere. And, you know, my dad always wanted a back massage and I just always liked doing it. You know, when I said that I was just intolerant of, of, of not being well, I, I feel that way about other people as well. Mm. You know, it's like, so my original choice was I've always been drawn to healing and maybe that's because I grew up in a, in a medical family, mm-hmm. you know, who knows. Yeah, but uh, that might have been one of those soul choices, you know, to put me in that environment. You know, I worked in hospitals as a teenager and and I always liked the medical environment. But as I got older, I realized that the medical business was not exactly where I wanted to be. I was originally going to be a PT, um, but for a variety of reasons that, that that didn't work. So that has always been my direction. Even with my massage clients, my feeling was you're suffering unnecessarily and I can help you to fix that. You know, my philosophy about massage was that I wanted to get as many tools for self-care into the hands of my clients as I could because no one can take as good a care of you as you. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can come and see me once a month or, you know, once a year, but you know, still you're living life every day. What can you do every day to make your health better and make your own self more comfortable? And that is a thing that I I came to understand and have experienced it a little bit myself that there are changes that we know we're supposed to make, would like to make, but yet we don't. I mean, I was sort of at a crossroads professionally I've been practicing massage for almost 20 some years and and I still loved it but I wanted to help people more than one at a time Mm -hmm. so I looked at body talk and I looked at EFT and EFT really hit the the columns for me Mm-hmm. It was something I could do with groups. It, it was something I could do online. It was something that people could do primarily for themselves and yeah. call on me when they were working on something that they needed help with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you could give, it was a tool that you could also teach to people. Yeah. It sounds like you really like to teach that self-care stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's been interesting, you know, as you said before, you know, getting people to make the choice to take care of themselves seems to be the most challenging part. Mm-hmm. Once you get them doing EFT, the changes happen so fast. Um, and the heart math also 
So heart math is more about building coherence because the heart has the wisdom in the body. And the heart sends more signals to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. It, so it's, it's really interesting. So when it is sending coherent signals to the brain, all of the body's systems sync up and then they're all working together. They're, they're one team pulling in the same direction, you know, and the more incoherent our heartbeat is, the more stress we're expressing, the more all of our systems are kind of slapdash. Mm-hmm. So building coherence is literally building health and calm and it's releasing stress. And so the thing that has really been the distillation of, of a lot of things that I've been doing and learning is that heart math does this and EFT does this. We bring up a troubling sensation or thought or feeling Mm -hmm. and we do that in the presence of calm and that allows the brain and the nervous system to reprocess that and go well I don't need that I can let that go that isn't such a big deal anyway or to tolerate that intense feeling so Mm -hmm. a lot of us we have an intense feeling And it's usually, I don't know if there's anyone who's ever done a number on this, but (laughs) mostly a reaction that's coming from our nervous system to something that we've just seen or heard or a memory, right? So when we can bring that and then use the tapping to calm our nervous system down, we can release that. And if it's something that we can't avoid, like I have to go to work and I have to deal with the boss Mm -hmm. and I've done all of the tapping to release all of the old stuff that might be causing me to react to him, but I still need to be calm, you know, heart math builds this strong coherence so you you can tolerate having that difficult feeling. And yeah, which so difficult feelings are a part of life. <laughs> difficult feelings are a part of life and they yeah. will continue to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if you can tolerate a difficult feeling, then your body doesn't have to go run away or fight it or just go into freeze. Mm, so it kind of helps regulate those natural responses within our body. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So have you, helped, have you used both of those modalities for yourself a lot over this last year? Oh my goodness gracious, yes. <laughs> we all need EFT and heart math. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I used it a lot just yesterday. You know, I, I don't need to go into why, but it was something on the news. And it was like, are you kidding me? Still, Time to still tap. with this. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, Tapping, breathing. Yeah. yeah. So... I, yeah, I, I don't know why anyone doesn't want to go, yeah, I would like to get through life with less stress and more health, mm-hmm. you know, but that's the challenge, you know, to get people to see that that's okay and to understand that you can let go of that stuff without it changing who you are, mm-hmm. you know, but sometimes, you know, really, if you change who you are in the world, you know, how you're responding thing, responding to things. Um, like you go home and your sibling who has always pushed all your buttons by doing or saying something and now it really doesn't bug you anymore. Well, what's he going to do to get his jollies now that he can't aggravate you? <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes people have to change their roles. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm not the person that is going to do and everything and pick up all the slack in the family anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say no sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, that is going to upset the apple cart. So you have to be ready for that. You know, um, who am I if I don't have this problem? I I heard someone mention something the other day. They called it the miracle question. And it's like, so if you wake up tomorrow and this problem is completely gone, how will you feel? 
you know, and I, I always think, well, that's a silly question. It's right. like, I would think that's great, you know, uh-huh. but there could be other things that come up, you know, it's like, oh, my mom might not be happy if I don't drive her, my brother, my, you know, there's like all of these, but I think that's all relational stuff. Yeah. It's like, if I know that I can be happy and healthy, and that's a perfectly fine thing, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And everyone else is going to have to do their own journey. (laughs) Yes. And, and, you know, so when we up-level ourselves, then people have to make a choice. Are they going to rise with us Mm -hmm. or... Are they going to fade away? Yes. And yes. That can be scary to people. People stay in bad relationships for longer than they should for like, I stayed in a very bad relationship for much longer than I should have because I loved his mother. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we make like up all kinds of stories. Human, yeah. Yeah. She Why was one of okay. the few human beings on the earth that got me, mm, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, you know, at some point, obviously, I, I had to leave. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, those are real things that people have to overcome in mm-hmm. their own journey of healing. Yeah. And so that you bring up a really great point because I mention this a lot to people is like, it's not easy just because whether you choose to or you're thrown or you're forced to start healing in some way, physically or mentally, it's usually not easy. I mean, think of even when you, you know, break something severely and then you have to go through PT. I mean, that's not easy, <laughs> that's, but you, but, but it's worth it. It is worth it. Yeah. You know, for most people, healing happens when it becomes non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't yeah. have to get to that point. But that and, is yeah, and that's where I really try in my reaching out to people and talking about this stuff. It's like, yes, you can use EFT to go back and clear out all of this stuff, mm-hmm. but you don't have to. What if from this day forward, you just didn't accumulate any more stress? Ooh. You know, it's like, wouldn't that be better? You know, so, you know, it's, you know, you can use the tapping for like kids, you know, it's like at the end of the day, you know, just tap and tell me how your day went, you know. So kids can grow up without storing a whole lot of this Uh stuff. They're still going to have their life journey and things they're going to have to struggle with because that's what we're here to do. You know, suffering is optional. You know, pain happens, but suffering is optional. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and, and to go through and process something that you need to learn from, it doesn't have to take 10 years. You know, it could take 10 days or 10 minutes. There's no time clock on the healing, Mm -hmm. which is, which some people interpret as, well, if I didn't do it in 10 minutes, then I'm a failure. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) Some things you can blow through easily and some things those there are the recurring themes and we all know them we all have them you know mm-hmm. and at some point you go god you again <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> i thought i was done with you what more do you have to teach me uh-huh oh you know, or you can go you know i'm suffering from this again mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. optional yes i love that it's optional during this last pandemic period of time, yeah, what was one of the mo- the best things that's happened to you in life and or business? I feel distilled. Distilled, okay. Like some essential essence of me and my purpose and vision has become concentrated. And I don't know if it took a year of pandemic for that to happen or if that would have happened anyway, but I think we've all literally gone through the fire. Mm -hmm. And, And fire does what it does, and it cleans out and burnishes, and it does a lot of really freaking uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, we all get to the other side and go, okay, that happened. Mm-hmm. And you look around and go, what's different now? And I think my, my vision for what I want to share with people got clearer. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's this, this, I don't want to say there was like a lot of frivolousness, but I think there was a lot of like, 
panicking around making business work. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't, when I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, yeah. hey, that's off the table. Um, other things, it, it just allowed time for other things to happen. Yes. And I want you to share what some of those other things are, because I know that you've, You've introduced some new things that you're offering people that's all about happiness. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the hard math I did last August, and mm-hmm. so I was like, I felt pretty darn accomplished taking a new certification in the middle of the pandemic. Right, you, you know? should. But, you should I, but I, I haven't really quite integrated heart math, and, and that's okay. Like, I've got 10 years of tapping behind me mm-hmm. and brain stuff and neuroplasticity and epigenetics, and I could just talk about that for an hour and you'd never never get a word in edgewise. <laughs> but so the whole heart math world is is new for me. So, you know, it's like, okay, I'm still very much integrating that. <laughs> and I read this book. I don't know why I picked it up now. Oh, oh I took a course from Mind Valley called Becoming Extraordinary. Yes, I know you talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the modules was uh, about happiness and what makes us happy and where does it come from? And so it was a... And and that started to really click for a variety of reasons. And so one of the books that he um, recommended and drew some material from is a book called The Happiness Advantage by so Sean Aker. Ooh, good job. Which is A-C-H-O-R. It was the first name I was twirling on there. Um, but then it really, really clicked for me that – just getting rid of the old stuff isn't enough. That brings us back to neutral. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, with human brains, neutral is not sufficient. We need something more. You know, so it's like tapping lets you take that knapsack full of rocks and put it down. And then happiness gives you wings so that you can go fly away into your future. And so happiness has its own energy and it, it provides fuel for doing the things that we want to be doing, being most of us, some of us, being healthier and happier and more creative, being better leaders. Um, and that could be the leader of a family, not mm-hmm. necessarily at work, yep. you know. Um, so lots of the things that, a lot of people have as their goals are not the goals they'll reach and then be happy. Getting happy is going to get them to their goal. And there are people who use a, a completely different scale for tapping. So for tapping, traditionally, we use a like zero is no problem at all. Ten is like the worst, right? So we rate everything. So you're having this feeling, this heaviness. How would you rate it? It's an eight. You know, we go through that whole process. Well, there's another school of thought that starts at minus ten and works their way up to zero and then starts tapping towards positive ten, and I've heard of this for a while, but the tapping to get to the positive 10 didn't quite gel for me mm-hmm. uh, until I read this book. And it's like, you can tap, and, and we do this at the end of tapping, like if someone has gotten their their rating, their intensity of the negativity down to zero, mm-hmm. then then we can do the tapping into the positive. And so then you, then actually that challenges that zero reading a little bit, you know, it's like, yes, I feel, Oh, now I feel some resistance to that. I'm totally cured statement, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a way of testing. So anyway, the habits of happiness is, is what you were trying to elicit from me. (laughs) Which when you say it, you get super happy. I I do. I just, I wish everybody could see you because anytime you talk about it, (laughs) your whole face lights up like in a total, like it, it, it just changes even just how you physically look. So, <laughs> well, uh. I am. I'm really excited about this, you know, because it's something that I think, and we talk about our Puritan roots a lot, and, and they aren't really what we think they are. Yeah. They were not terrible, dour people. Um, they were very intelligent people, mm-hmm. and they talked a lot. Um, and, and a lot of the ways that they lived, we perceive as being very <laughs> dour. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know our puritan roots you know so we we don't believe in happiness as a thing you know it's like if it's a byproduct of doing a good job well then you know we'll tolerate it you know yeah. but as a goal of its own it's not really something we say we're headed for that it's something that we want but a lot of people have a lot of cultural stuff around saying yeah i just want to be happy mm-hmm. you know that it's frivolous or it's not a good enough goal in and of itself mm. when in fact it is the driver of yes. what's going to get you to to your goal yes. um so yeah the habits of happiness and i realized that that's what i had been learning from all of these teachers, you know, over this last decade. Mm-hmm. And so I think I might have been to you yeah, that I said to you that I'm putting all of the knowledge into a course mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, as a joke, but um, not really. Because <laughs> it's like, again, the distillation of like all of the things I have been learning that have been turning my health around, all of the mm-hmm. practices, you know, and one of them, this the simplest thing is smiling. You know, it has an amazing power. So it's like lesson one, actually, half about smiling and the power of it. And and we know that we can use our bodies to elicit emotions. We know emotions elicit, elicit physical sensations. Yeah. But we can use our body to elicit emotions as well. So some people have heard about the power pose, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but smiling is another one. And smiling actually makes, like, if you're struggling with something, you'll probably clue clue yourself into what your face is doing. You're probably got a scowl. Yeah, yeah. Trying to do it. Yeah. So stop a moment, smile, and Uh I swear to you, everything will just fall into place. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's a lot of truth in that. You know, they say, you know, laughter is the best medicine. I mean, there's just all kinds of cliches and mm-hmm. and quotes and sayings around smiling and laughter, but that's very true. Um, and I just want to reflect something back to you that I have noticed in the short few years that I've known you, and I don't know you like deeply, it's mostly through businessy stuff, but... Right. I have seen a change in you just in this last few years. I think it's been like three years since the first time we talked to now and you just exude more happiness. Oh, good. And you seem just lighter and more settled in who you are. And I just want to say congratulations and good (laughs) job. And I love that you're passing, you're trying to pass this this what has happened to you onto other people to help other people learn this stuff because it's obviously working for you. So thank you. It's, it's good <laughs> yeah. to get the feedback that other people can tell that yes, things, things are, are getting better and better, you know, and right. actually I think, I think things have accelerated a lot in the mm-hmm. last few years too. Even just um, in the last year, you know, even after this like year. really hard year, you yeah. seem way lighter and settled and happy. <laughs> I am. Than before, yeah. even. <laughs> yeah, pandemic, good stuff. You know, so part of that, you know, is really ridiculous, you know, because the thing that is so hard for everyone else is staying home. Yes. And for me, that's like the best medicine. Right. Right. And like, I know everyone is looking forward to going back to in person networking, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like, can we just stay home? I'm with you on that one. Us introverts have had a much easier time. This is this is like a common theme in all my podcast conversations with the introverts. We're like, this has been great. And I feel for my extrovert friends, but um, I am very grateful that I'm more introverted also because I think it's definitely helped. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the world is built for extroverts. So, you know, we get a year. I love it. That's perfect. Oh, I feel like we could talk forever, but and but we don't have forever right now. We don't have forever. <laughs> we never. We don't have forever in general. Um, when I asked you what your philosophy was, it was beautiful, and I want to read that for you because I'm not going to have you try to come back, come up with that again. <laughs> I, I know. I was like, I don't know what I said. It's amazing. You just came up with this. Okay, so you said we are creators of our lives, whether we know it or not. Every thought and feeling is creating the world in which we live. Every philosophy, every teacher right now and since ancient times 
talks about this world as a dream and we the dreamers. We have control over our thoughts and feelings. And if we have suffered, it was to push us along the path of personal evolution. And since we are all one, every love you embody, every goal you achieve, every pain you overcome, every hate you release, you do for all of mankind. This is so good. And the last sentence is, we are one bandwidth of human consciousness. This is, that's, I can't believe you just came up with that, but all right. <laughs> I'm impressed. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that's so complete and embodies everything that you said during this last hour. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? Just whatever you do, take care of yourself and don't suffer because it's not required. Yes. Yes. It is not required. And uh, all your information and how people can learn about what you've got going on now will be in the show notes and after we say goodbye. So um, Penny, thank thank you you so much. You're welcome. Happiness. It's not just for some people. It's for all of us. It's for you. Imagine yourself healthier with more vitality and bounce to all areas of your life better rested, fitter, sparkly. Imagine yourself more creative, bringing solutions to work problems, getting better results for clients, helping your kids flourish, finding better ways to manage conflict, just being less bothered with life's annoyances, no matter how big or small. Imagine yourself speaking up at work, standing in your space with confidence and knowing your worth. Imagine yourself at ease with people, no matter the setting, You radiate a calm, helpful, even loving presence that allows people to be at ease all around you. You genuinely care for them and they feel it and they trust you. And now you don't have to just imagine, you can be this and more through cultivating your own happiness. Penny Hill will help you realize that happiness is not the end goal, it is the path. It is the power to lift you up and propel you forward in all areas of your life. Visit CalmHealthEase.com to learn more about Penny's Habits of Happiness program, along with all her wellness services to help you no matter where you are on your wellness journey or just your life journey. And you'll find more ways to connect with Penny in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Our stories may be different, but we all have one thing in common. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate life on this planet. And none of us have it completely figured out. No matter what you're going through in your life, just know that you are never really alone. Come back every Wednesday for more inspiration and connection. And follow me on Instagram at thedragonflymama.com so we can stay in touch between episodes. Take care. Take care.